Work from home jobs that will stay remote even after the coronavirus pandemic ends. Plus, guest co-host Chris Gillibo, Money Tree author and host of the Side Hustle School podcast. It is Wednesday, July 1, and this is Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from beautiful Lake Mayapack in Putnam County, New York. Hey, what's up? I'm Chris Gillibo, uh, author of The Money Tree, host of the Side Hustle School podcast, uh, coming to you from my studio in Southern California. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like best-selling author Chris Gillibo. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And this episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated each day. Go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for a free trial and 10% off your first year and to support the show. Chris, you're back, second day in a row. I love this today's show. Awesome, thank you. This has been so much fun. We've done what four episodes now, I think. It's this fun. is our fourth episode together, mm. and we have four more episodes after this awesome. one. So it just gets better and better. You're part of our season. Gosh, it's our season four cast. It's hard to believe mm. Money with Friends has been around for over a year, and uh, oh. we get such amazing guest co-hosts. We're so lucky. Well, it's fun. And the audience that's watching live often makes it more engaging and interactive. So good times. So we, we do record this here. Right? We record this live on Facebook mm. Live. We also do some shows on YouTube. So you can follow us mm. on Facebook. We're actually on the Stacking Benjamins page because this show is a sister podcast to Stacking Benjamins. So that's facebook.com forward slash Benjamins. And on YouTube, you guys can check us out on the Money with Friends YouTube channel. I think you just search mm -hmm. Money with Friends on YouTube. You'll find us just like you'll find your YouTube channel under your name, right? Chris? Indeed. If, if one person out there wants to go and find it and subscribe, they could find it at uh, youtube.com slash Chris Gillibo. Crazy and how that works. Also, we didn't talk. I don't think we talked yesterday about what your book is about, your new book. Oh, oh, we? Um, we can do that if you'd like. Yeah. Tell us a little about the money tree. Yeah, um, in, just, in just a few seconds. Uh, Money Tree is a story of finding the fortune in your own backyard. Um, so it's actually a novel. It's fiction. I wrote the story about this guy who's struggling in lots of different ways. Uh, he has a lot of debt, just like so many people out there, and uh, is just trying to figure out how he can kind of get out of that situation, which is affecting the rest of his life, just like it often does. And he realizes he can't just work harder. He's already a hard worker. He has to, to start some kind of entrepreneurial project, um, but without necessarily being like a full-time business owner, because a lot of people don't want to do that. And so my hope is uh, that people can read this book and uh, find it entertaining and enjoyable, uh, even if they're not into reading business books, but they'll also kind of go away feeling perhaps inspired or challenged, you know, to start something uh, of their own. I found it inspiring and enjoyable, and I think it's perfect for the quarantine time. Mm. After people listen to your wisdom in this episode, because we're going to be talking about basically a lot of the themes that come up in mm. the book. So hold that thought and let's see which one of our friends is going to bring us into the headline. This is Lacey from the Military Money Show. Friends, check. Money, check, check. Friends with money, let's do this. Today we're going to talk about five remote jobs that pay more than $60,000 a year, which is good because if you're going to have a remote job, you want it to, you know, not pay part-time wages. This is from CNBC, Annie Nova. With coronavirus cases swelling across the country again, many offices won't be opening up anytime soon. More than 60% of employees say they're working remotely during the pandemic. 
and more than half hope not to return to the days of commutes and cubicles. But some remote jobs pay better than others. As the option to work remotely becomes more popular, CNBC spoke with Julia Pollack, a labor economist at online jobs marketplace ZipRecruiter, about some of the higher paying positions. So here we've got five professions that pay more than $60,000 a year. And I think you and I both might have some, some commentary about these. So I'll just read these positions first. First one is technical writer. It says the average annual pay is $68,640. Uh, the financial analyst, average annual pay is $67,900. Proposal writer, um, $67,047. Uh, web designer, $60,200. They're all kind of in that same range. Uh, and then translator, uh, average annual pay about $60,000 um, as well. Yeah. Let's go through these and let's also, uh, more importantly, add your two cents to kind of sure. you know, what they speak to. I mean, I think with a technical writer, it's kind of maybe a more profitable way to be a journalist, I hate to say, that if you're a good writer mm. and you enjoy writing, journalism doesn't always pay. I mean, some people writing on the internet make, you know, I would say pennies per hour in some cases mm. for the amount of mm -hmm. work that I've had. I've seen friends put into stories that they're, you know, barely even paid for. You could be doing technical writing on the side as a side hustle or as a full-time mm -hmm. job and make a lot of money. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. Um, when you said journalism, like there's so many different ways to write and or share content, share your work. It could be another medium, right? And um, uh, like there's such a range of income because some people are making those, you know, pennies per hour or, you know, minimum wage or something like that. And then other people are doing quite well. So when you're a technical writer, you are working for a company, you're trying to help, you know, people communicate a corporate concept or some kind of concept that people need to have for a user manual or something or uh, for PR or whatever. So I definitely think there's some, some opportunities there. I think it's also just so broad, like to be a technical writer, it just means you're, you're trying to distill some kind of information and, um, you know, to help share that information in, in some way, which is kind of like proposal writer, but that's number three. So, right. um, I might have more thoughts on the later ones, but financial analyst is all you. Oh yeah. So this, it's huh. funny, it's funny this comes up because this is something that I actually <laughs> was encouraged to do and I just didn't want to do in part because, you know, at the time, um, it was something where obviously you would have to work in person. There was no such thing as stay at home when I first got out of college. But I also found it really intimidating, and I probably should not have. Um, there's a lot of mm. analytics to it, obviously, analyst. Um, but a lot of it is very similar things to what I did when I when I was doing um, on-air reporting at Reuters for over a decade. A lot of what we did mm. was looking at earnings reports from and and you know stock analyst reports about various potential. Um, investments about different publicly traded mm -hmm. companies and a lot of data from um, on the economy from the government and other trade groups. And so I was doing a lot of those things. And I realized that a financial analyst, there's similar skill sets, again, to that kind of journalist, not every kind of journalist, mm -hmm. but to a financial journalist who's reporting on the macroeconomic trends and earnings reports of publicly traded companies. And the financial analyst, I think, would probably pay a lot more than that. Certainly, if you ever mm. weren't working from home, but I, I think that is a very conservative estimate to say that a financial right. analyst would only do that. Now, that's a yep. Wall Street analyst. There's a lot of different kinds of financial analysts, so mm -hmm. it's probably a broad spectrum, and I'm equating it to Wall Street because that's sort of my my reference. Mm -hmm. 
but it's definitely very lucrative and probably a lot more interesting than people may initially hmm. think. All right, so you're going to talk. You'll take the lead on um, proposal writer, which I think is something I just don't want to do. I just think people get yeah. paid a lot because nobody wants to really do it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know a whole lot about you know that field, but I think it is kind of like if you have the skill to be a technical writer, if you have the skill maybe even to be a financial analyst. Again, you're kind of distilling concepts and like what are the takeaways? You know, what do I actually? you know, learn from this or, or go away with. So a proposal writer, it's like you're trying to pitch something. You're trying to craft a story, a narrative, and like there's going to be a lot of proposals uh, being reviewed by whatever foundation or agency that's receiving them. So how can, how can you help yours stand out? How can you like put forward the best facts and all that? So I think it could be interesting. I think there's a challenge, you know, to it of how can I tell the best story and, and how can I like, you know, if somebody's reading a hundred proposals, how do I get mine to be the one that's, that's kind of looked at, um, so there's there's some common skills there I think with the the first three. I almost feel like it's a proposal. It's almost like sales for introverts because you really have to sell <laughs> the project uh -huh. and get the funding, but mm -hmm. you don't have to have that um, outgoing salesperson personality. You just have to be really mm -hmm. strategic about it, and also mm -hmm. probably very detail oriented because yep. proposals mm -hmm. may be very specific in what they require, and a lot of them can get eliminated mm -hmm. if they don't follow the rules exactly. That's right. So I think that's that right. Part of why the compensation is is solid for that. And the next one yeah. is web designer. I mean, that's so obvious why, and that that's probably one of your big side hustle ideas is to anything to do with the internet like that. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised it doesn't say coding or, or web developer actually, because um, that, yeah. that, that, that side of things actually is, is, is higher paying overall. Like obviously there's a huge range, you know, some web designers are doing really well, but the thing I love about web development is in terms of a career or in terms of a side or anything is first of all, there's so many different ways that can be done. It can be about websites. It can also be about apps. It can be about backend stuff, front end stuff. Um, if you can't get a job for somebody, you could make something on your own. The other thing is, um, well, we all know it's like this hugely in demand skill. It's not going anywhere. I think we can safely say, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, different platforms and things will change, but um, this is still going to be a very valuable field. And the other thing is perhaps unlike, I'm not sure how it works to be a financial analyst, but I imagine that a lot of different careers, they have like prerequisites and like certain certifications you need and like kind of gatekeeper things that you have to, to go through. Whereas to be a, a web developer, a coder, it really is about your your ability, you know, to do it. It's not about, oh, I have this bachelor's degree or I have this particular piece of paper that says I am a good web developer. It's, um, you know, if you build a portfolio and you have, and you begin to get some experience, even if you're just doing stuff for free or on your own, that can lead you to, to paid work. So it's something that anybody can learn. There are so many different resources, whether on YouTube or elsewhere for free or for very low cost, you know, to learn this stuff. And then it's a valuable thing. So I think that's something, if anybody has any aptitude or interest in it at all, I think it's, there's, there's no downside to learning more about web development, even if you never become a web developer. Yeah. And by the way, one of the things a lot of these jobs have in common is that there are things that are, not only can you do them remotely, but you can do them almost anywhere. You don't need more than a computer because some jobs mm -hmm. like, right. like, like podcasting, you need to bring a lot of equipment. A lot of them, mm -hmm. you just need the computer. And also, they're not time sensitive. You can often mm -hmm. do them in a different, it's flexible time. You don't have to do yeah. it from, at, during the time frame that your mm -hmm. coworkers are working. You basically work, you know, solo. The last one, you know, very much so with that translator, which mm -hmm. I think just as the world becomes smaller, it's really important to have translators. Although I was surprised about this because I know a lot of that can be automated, but maybe because it's automated, yeah. People are doing it more, and then you still need someone to kind of go in and fix the transcripts, but maybe more in-person translators. I, I'm not sure. 
My thought on that was, I think this is a skill that's best um, complemented with something else. Like if you, even the, some of the examples that we've talked about, if you're a, you know, bilingual or multilingual financial analyst, okay, that opens a lot more doors, you know, than someone who only speaks English. The same thing with the web developer or could be a number of other professions. I think that's something that kind of adds to your value. Um, like the skill of pure translation I don't know that there are like a ton of high paying jobs, you know, for that. Maybe there could be. Um, but that, that was my general thought there. Yeah. What jobs? Well, first of all, we have Annette here in our in our Facebook Live audience. We do record this um, on Facebook Live at iStack Benjamins. Uh, yeah, iStack Benjamins, the Facebook page for Stacking Benjamins, our sister podcast. Annette is here. Do you want to read what she has to say? Yeah, she says many federal jobs might continue to be remote, uh, and wages are well above sixty thousand. Um, I think this is something that's going to be a really good thing that comes out of the pandemic, and we know there are so many negative consequences, of course, but. I think a lot of these people who have been working remotely, whether they're federal employees, corporate employees, something else, they're not all going to go back to work just because it is safe to go back to work. You know, if it was safe 100% tomorrow for every office to be open, I think you'd still have a lot of people that said, oh, actually, we, you know, we were able to do pretty well, you know, working remotely. And we were never able to do that before. Our company didn't allow it. But look what happened. You know, we actually kind of figured it out and such. So I, I think it's just more and more people are going to have that option. I know not everybody wants that option, right? So if you, like some people are like, I don't want to work at home, like I get it, but a lot of people do. So I think that's something that's going to be a long-term effect of, of all this. And we did, by the way, Chris, we did ask this to our Instagram audience. By the way, our Instagram handle is mm. at Money Friends Pod. We asked them, after the pandemic ends, would you choose to work from home? And you're completely on target. 81% said yes, they would, they would choose to work from home after the pandemic ends. And we then asked them to elaborate. Um, what have you learned about the realities of work from home yeah. during the pandemic? Yeah, that's right. Lots of good comments here. You had a lot of response to this one. Um, so Logan Barrett says, great internet is a must. That's important <laughs> that's if you're... Logan. You know, going to be there. I, I've experienced problems with my internet before, and it drives me crazy. Um, uh, Sharon three thousand uh, said, "I need a nanny." So obviously, that's going to be a, a you know situation for lots of people with families with kids. Uh, let's see what else do we have here. Indy Coolcheck, Indy Coolcheck makes this observation and says, "Despite companies saving money, a few aren't offering internet stipends." Um, which is true, but then I keep in mind, you're also not paying for some expenses that you might pay for yourself. If you are going to work, you know, you're not paying for your commute. You don't have as many lunches out and such. Um, so hopefully it's like all balancing out there. And then the Annetter, um, I don't know if that's the same as our Annette who's on. Yeah. Annette, our number one commenter, um, says on Instagram, it means I can live anywhere in the world and still work in the States. Bring it on. Yeah. It's great. And uh, we did say, I think, did we, did we read Jessica Gabarito? I get a lot more done, more productive, which is definitely oh, yeah. good. And um, mm -hmm. Vincent said, I hate going into the office because I do the same amount of work at home. None. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. Good response. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how people have different experiences with, you know, working remotely and, um, but I think on, 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 like on net, like on net balance, it is overall positive for, for most people. Yeah. Well, we've certainly, look, I overheard, um, some, uh, moms, um, the other day, uh, chatting and they were talking about how much time they have in that, even though they're, and these were moms of kids that I would say can be self-sufficient. So older elementary mm. school kids. So kids like around my son's age, you know, between 10 and 14, let's say. So they're not little kids that have to be watched every moment of the day, but, they are still, you know, kids that are around at school. And the moms were saying that they gained three hours of their day because they're no longer commuting. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So suddenly they have three more hours to do mm-hmm. whatever they want to do. They can go mm-hmm. work out. They can actually spend more time with their kids. They can just have some mm-hmm. downtime. And mm-hmm. so I think that a lot of people are appreciating that. So it's tremendous. It's a benefit. tremendous benefit. And it's the, it's the addition of time. And then I think you mentioned this earlier about the flexibility of schedule also is almost as good of a benefit as the addition of time. Because even like if you imagine that commute, it's not just the time that you spend in the commute. It's like you have to leave at this certain time. You know, you have to you know, take your kids somewhere. You have to show up at this meeting or whatever. Whereas if it's, you know, you're managing your own stuff, you have so much more ability to just control that environment, which I think is very valuable. So we had a few ideas of that piece, but I feel like you have some more ideas. What do you think will be the stay-at-home jobs <laughs> that will stay, stay at home when the yeah. pandemic ends? And I am saying when, because I am determined mm. that it will end, Chris, even though it seems yeah. endless right now. It, it will end. Yes. Um, I don't think it will end tomorrow, but, um, it, it, it will end. Um, I think anything that people can do to develop their skills is good. Um, and, and so we talked about the coding thing. Um, anything else that you can do, let's say um, maybe developing like some e-commerce skills is good too. And this is whether you want to like be an entrepreneur, side hustler, or even work for a company. Like, um, so understanding how, like I said, e-commerce, how, how can you not just build a website, but how can you build like a little online store? What are the... Um, most popular platforms in terms of like buying and selling things like those have really taken off a lot. Um, we, we all know about eBay and such, but now there's so many more um, offer up, you know, next door is a, you know, social network for people in the, in the surrounding neighborhood. I think there's a lot of things to learn about that. Um, anything that kind of brings people together in terms of connection and community, I think brand managers, community managers, that's something that we're seeing as a new kind of profession um, just kind of like looking after people and facilitating conversations, forums, you know, Facebook lives, things like that. More and more companies are doing that and, and figuring out a way to make it interesting. So it's not just, you know, here's a Facebook live about our company, but here's, you know, we're kind of sponsoring a message or, or facilitating some kind of like more broad conversation. Those are the first what, things I think of. What advice, what are some of the don'ts for working from home? What are things that people should not think they can do from home just being realistic like what are some of the i don't want to say disaster stories but i mean you've heard so many stories you're constantly interviewing entrepreneurs and so on on your podcast and uh other other platforms as we like to say there must be some things that just flop that that sounded good but mm. yeah i mean so I, i know a lot of people who work in the world of events event management and like um my my big event that i do every year World Domination Summit I've been doing over 10 years was supposed to be this past weekend, actually, in Portland, Oregon. And, uh, you know, we, we put a lot of work into that. We're really excited about it. We have, you know, a couple thousand people that come every year uh, to Oregon. So obviously we weren't able to do that this year. Like three months ago, we had to make a change to kind of to pivot and such. And so we did some virtual, you know, stuff and it's, it was still good. Um, but I would say going into the world of events, e- even looking ahead, even if we look like six months, you know, 12 months from now, a good friend of mine who's an event manager said that effectively the world of events is, is kind of dead for two years, basically. And right. she was explaining more because she's like, it's not just that there won't be events next year. It's like, there's a, this, this ripple effect of sponsorship. A lot of companies that, that put a lot of money towards sponsoring events this year that didn't, didn't happen. Basically it's like, they're, they're a little bit shy now about committing to anything in 2021. So it's going to be a long time to rebuild that industry. So I would not necessarily recommend going into that. What about in things that people think they can do from home that maybe they can't, but it sounds, Um, but in reality, mm. yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, some service jobs obviously have to be done in person. Um, 
you know, any kind of medical stuff is going to have to be done, or at least most of it's going to need to be done in person. Even though we're doing road appointments now, that's not going to last. Right, right, right. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure there's some more examples, but I tend to think that the majority of things, like we are moving to a world where so much is possible digitally, and a lot of things that we thought would not be possible, you know, six months ago, if we said, can you do this thing remotely? A lot of people, oh, no, that's not possible to do that. And now we're seeing people are actually able to do all sorts of, of things. You know, court hearings are happening virtually. Um, I think I mentioned on a previous episode, I have a friend who developed this like virtual meditation business um, that she meets people on Zoom and leads this thing. And she's making like $3,000 a month doing that. Um, oh, wow. So there's a lot of things that are still possible that, that we would have said six months ago were not. Great things to think about. Thank you, Chris. Um, before uh-huh. we get to our takeaways, I want to thank Tiller for sponsoring Money with Friends. Tiller helps us manage our money 10 times faster in a spreadsheet. It's the only service that connects your banks to Google Sheets and Excel with daily spending, transactions, and balances. Unlike financial apps that force you to compromise, these spreadsheets from Tiller are fully customizable for your needs. And they give you an automatic daily feed so you know what's up with all of your spending. Check it out tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for more information. You get a free trial and you get 10% off your first year. And most of all, you support the show. And by the way, we do have one more comment from our audience, which I think is really relevant. Sales. It's hard to say no in person. I think you can do a lot of sales if you're good, Mm -hmm. especially if you have a previous contact virtually, but it's true. It can be a lot stronger more of a hard sell. I'm not sure I like it that way, but it is more effective because, you know, it's, it is harder when you're in person. Yeah. No, it's a fair point. I would just say, think about though, all the time it's going to be involved in like, you know, commuting and setting up the meeting and everything, like how many more appointments, you know, or sales calls or whatever you want to think of it as, would you be able to do, you know, if you weren't doing all that? So there's, it's like pros and cons. Very true. Well, I think that's definitely going to evolve, but I think people will think twice before spending all the money to travel to clients that they used to spend when people have gotten more accustomed to a Zoom meeting Mm -hmm. versus before it might have been sort of an insult like, oh, you're not going to come have lunch with me. You're going to just Mm -hmm. do a quick Zoom call. That's all I get. And that could hurt the sale. Now people are kind of more used to it. Um, On that note, time for our takeaways. Awesome. I think you're going to be first this time, right? I'm first this time? Okay. I feel like I'm jump, jumping on your... Yeah, you go first. Okay. Yeah. I was also managing... We taped this live on Facebook, <laughs> on Facebook, and I'm really slow with the technology, so I was very busy doing the lower third, but you guys could, should come check us out, facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins, to see all of my technical challenges. But let's talk about my takeaway from this. My takeaway here is that the current situation is so frustrating for all of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it has served as a test lab to see if working from home is right Mm. for you, regardless of the pandemic. Some of us will want to go back to an office or a non-home workspace. Yes, looking in the mirror on that one. Because of what we have learned during this unique time. But some of us have learned working from home brings out the best in us. So this is a great opportunity to find the right profession that could remain work from home forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well said. Well said. Um, my takeaway. So it's not so much about like a silver lining, right? Because I want to be careful about saying that. Like a lot of stuff about this situation just sucks. Um, but I kind of approach these things from like a like a therapeutic perspective. Like I go to therapy. I've learned a lot from that. And one of the things I kind of have embraced is this concept of radical acceptance about how like pain plus resistance equals suffering. So we're all experiencing pain, you know, in lots of different ways, and some people more than others, of course. Um, but if you try to fight, you know, the coronavirus, if you try to fight like, oh, I, I'm ready to go back out tomorrow, like it's it, you're not going to have a great result. And if same thing in career stuff, if you're trying to like 
you know, move in a direct, if you want to be an event planner tomorrow, if you want to be a cruise, you know, travel agent tomorrow, that's going to be a hard road to like, some people might be able to do it if you work hard enough at it, but wouldn't it be better to, to look and say, where is there less resistance? You know, where's the less resistance? Where can I find the situation that's best for me? So it's not about, you know, that there is something good that comes out of that time, out of this time, even though that's true. It's more about here we are, what is the reality and what can we, what can we do? What do we have control over? I totally agree because it's much more fulfilling to have a dream that is realistic. Okay, yes. <laughs> Especially you said that much you said that much more concisely than me. So thank you. Two takeaways yeah. from Bobby Rebell. Well, I don't know if I said it more concisely than you. I think you said it very well, Chris. And I think you said a lot very well and gave us some amazing insights during these um, appearances. So thank you so much for joining us again. Tell us more about um, your projects going on. You're gonna be back with us in four more we in four weeks for mm -hmm. another couple shows. But what are yep. you up to uh, in the next month or so while we so we can keep in touch? Yes. Uh, well, fun as always. I look forward to the next round. Um, so I'm still talking a fair amount about my book, which I mentioned earlier. It's uh, The Money Tree. You can learn more at moneytreebook.com or wherever books are sold, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm going to start doing some more writing. I'll be sharing on my blog, um, The Art of Nonconformity. Um, and I'm, I'll occasionally post on social media. I'm not the best at that, um, but I do like to keep up with people and hear about what you're working on. So um, I'm also Chris Gillibo or 193 Countries on Instagram. Tell us quickly why 193 Countries. I don't know if we covered that yet. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I had a project for a while for about 11 years of visiting every country in the world. Um, and so there are 193 countries. And so I did that from, I don't know, 2002 to um, 2013, sometime in that range. And that's kind of how I got my start writing online and sharing and such. And it's kind of morphed into some other stuff. But that was my, my thing for a while. There's so much to learn about you. I can't wait till you come back in four weeks. And I encourage everyone to go to your website, which is just your name, and mm -hmm. learn more about Chris Gillibo. You can also learn more about him on the moneywithfriendspodcast.com website, where you can read about Chris and all of our season four co-hosts and all of our alumni co-hosts. You can also follow us and be part of our social media quizzes and questions and polls at Money Friends Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. And join us for live tapings here on Facebook Live at, uh, where are we? Oh, we're on the Facebook, we're on the Stacking Benjamins page. Our Stacking Benjamins, podcast, yeah. Facebook.com forward slash Benjamins, And on YouTube, please be sure to follow us there. That is actually Money with Friends is, the, uh, mm -hmm. is what the YouTube channel is. So thank you all for being with us. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us. Thank you so much, Bobby. Thank you, and thanks everybody for watching. And thanks for listening to Money with Friends. Bye, everyone. This show is created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends, LLC, copyright 2020. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at Money Friends Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends.
Bam, nailed it.